Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Many times over the past few days, have you observed our president speak out or tweet that a media report about him was fake news or a leader of the opposition declare that everything the president says or does is untruthful? unethical or self-serving. Whatever your politics, progressive or conservative, I think you'll agree in today's world, BS is all around us, and it's getting harder and harder for folks who want to stay informed to know whom to believe, whom to trust. And regrettably, this is true not just about politics, but about news in general, health care, consumer products we buy, the food we eat, even religion. And here's some good news, though. My guest, Sharon Quinn, who, like me, lives in America's heartland, is here with suggestions on how to sharpen your BS detector and strengthen your independent thought muscles. And more importantly, she's also here to help guide us to optimal spiritual health and well-being, as she puts it, to bring your life into the light. And here's Sharon Quinn's bio. She's a workshop leader inspirational speaker and uh, founder of the window to the world she delivers adept insights and educational excellence and optimal spiritual health and well-being she's created an amazing spiritual transformational process called self-gnosis and more on that later and she's author of the brand new book tango with the divine and hello sharon quinn and welcome to middle age can be your best age I I can't think of a better time to talk about developing our inner capacity to trust and verify. (laughs) Well, hello, Roy, and uh, thank you so very much. And you're right, the middle age is the best age to be because now we got a little bit of smarts under our belt. Yeah, a little bit of smarts, but we're young enough to uh, still do something about it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Utilize those smarts. But, uh, well, your promotional material reveals that you've come up with a 10-point plan for reducing the BS factor. You don't have to go into great detail on each of the 10 points, but can you uh, highlight for us how this plan works? All right, there's two two aspects to it. There's the red flag approach, and that basically are the warning signals that you can heed that put off, hey, BS, BS, BS. Okay, so those would be things like you never do. Never ignore when something's off. Yeah. It's already telling you something's not right. Yeah. Never ignore a gap. Something jumped from one idea to the next, and there's this big, like, chasm between it. Never ignore that, because that's a big place for BS to squeeze itself in. And never dismiss your worthiness and your ability to know what's truth from what's fuzzy logic. When you start seeing lines getting blurred, globalizing labels, information that's more emotional and factional, red flag, these are the first things that get you to start being able to take proactive movements that empower you to overcome BS. Yeah. And so the biggest thing is, is when you get proactive and you got these red flags going, you can put BS in the spotlight. 
because it has to be put in the spotlight, and we have to examine it and expose it. Otherwise, it'll run us over and bury us. So how do you put the BS in the spotlight? Are you talking about accusing the BSer? Or, well, you know, normally you hear this on TV or something. So how do you put that in the spotlight? All right, there's a positive way to do it, and that's the way I'd be advocating because it will give you empowerment. Accept one responsibility that you're going to have to think things through. If you come from that position, you give yourself a powerful way to always aim for clarity. And then you have in your heart that clarity is your right. And that gives you this way of approaching somebody so it doesn't come across as an attack. That's pretty cool and pretty important. Yeah. Then how you do it would be the second uh, really big point I'm always talking to people about, and that's question what you don't understand. If it doesn't make sense to you, you have every right to honor yourself and your need to know what is right from fact, fiction, conjecture, or confusion. And there's and the so only many way of us that don't want to show our ignorance by uh, not questioning something, and then we don't understand, and we just, uh, but we don't want anyone to think we're ignorant and asking dumb questions. And that's right, really but you know, and that's part of how BS gets to be BS and gets power, <laughs> yeah. by giving us that lie that when we ask a question, we're revealing ignorance in truth. And it really helps if we know this, because then we can throw it back into the BSer's face for just <laughs> what it is, okay? And that's simply, no, asking a question is something smart people do. Yes, they don't run do. off assumptions. They yeah. ask questions and seek clarity. And if somebody always says, well, that's a dumb question, you say, well, I'm sorry it's dumb to you, but it's <laughs> clarity for me. And then you go on and ask your question again. Yeah. You reposition yourself in a nice, stable place without attacking, but you hold your own firmly. You have yeah, to do that. I see what you're saying. You don't need to attack the person that uh, made the statement, but you uh, defend your own rights effectively to uh, understand what they're really getting at and to... Uh, give yourself a chance to analyze whether what the person is saying really makes sense or not. Right, and then you're also, by your questions and insistence that they not ignore your questions, you're demanding that you have an honorable, respectful conversation. It's not a runover show with somebody with their bulldozer coming in and just, you know, dumping whatever they want. That's not right. Nobody should have. That's really dishonoring everybody in the conversation. Yeah. What if I my, my uh, question is something for President Trump that he just said? How do I ask him the question? <laughs> <laughs> or I, I'm I'm just using that as an example. I'm not taking right. political sides, but uh, it's good. Right, be, but uh, the whole idea there is, you know, you could say, well, you know, do I have a direct line to the president? We know I don't. Yeah. You know, and so you just say, you know, and and so we try to just keep bringing it back to something realistic. Yeah. And that makes everybody have to calm down a little bit. And my favorite way to decimate BS is by insisting that when I ask a question of the person who's presenting what I just hit my BS detector, right? Yeah. I insist that if I ask a question, they do not ignore it or obscure it by answering a tangential question. Once they're done doing that, I'll say, okay, you still didn't answer my question. And I throw it back at them again. I don't even reword it. I, I want to keep think, it. Uh, any of the candidates would like you at a political rally. <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee they'd be sitting there saying, "I am never going on stage against that woman again." <laughs> so well, they I, might. 
Definitely. I saw a <laughs> the other day was asked a question. I don't, I don't go into the subject because I don't want to identify the person, but uh, they beat around the bush and really didn't answer it at all. They <laughs> just said, well, I'd have to give that thorough consideration. It would all depend on the blah, blah, blah. And just, you know. <laughs> That's right, but you see, when you ask your question again and you just say you did not answer my question, and you don't even you don't even entertain what they brought up, yeah. because then they will have won by getting you to deflect it down this you know other path. Yeah. You just keep going back. Everybody else who is listening to the conversation is going to say to you, the person who is constantly asking them, "Wait a minute, you didn't answer my question." Eventually, you're going to start hitting a lot of people who are listening, going. That person's got some clarity. They're right. That question didn't get answered. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, in this modern era, it's so easy to search for answers to our questions online using Mm -hmm. Google, Yahoo, Bing, or even social media like Facebook or Twitter or something. But how do we distinguish facts from fiction? Is it possible to develop our own internal guidance system, one that can keep us from being swept up in the latest surge of popular opinion? We're not talking specifically now about uh, asking questions to someone, but I, all the stuff that gets yeah, there's some along on social media. <laughs> right. I, well, I think that's just one point right there. If it comes from social media, it is not coming from a media that is held by any standard to vet itself. That's very true. And so many and people we all treat know sacrosanct is the... Uh, Tradition, media, which I, exactly, yeah. and we all know because we've all done it. All I have to do is get behind my typewriter and start typing away, and I can be creating BS, put it out into social media, and if I got use the right words or something, it might even go viral, and it have absolutely no basis in anything but my head. Yeah, that's so very true. So how do we? I mean, uh, so, how yeah. do we do that? How do we develop that internal guidance system so that we can recognize that kind of stuff? Well, I think we, there's a couple great BS exposing questions that, that just keep it simple. When you hear something, you go, what do they mean by that? And even ask the question if you can. If they can't, just ask, was this so vague? Were they using a bunch of labels like globalizing? Yeah. Were they using a lot of slurs? Were they attacking somebody? Or were they presenting information? If any yeah. of those things are big clues. Yeah, do, they, do they have? Do they offer any information in support of what they're contending? That would be. And is the information at all reliable? Is it something you can check out to determine whether it's real or not? <laughs> That's exactly right. That's why I like to ask the question. Well, how do you know that? Yeah. If they say, "Well, I read it on Facebook," <laughs> I mean, they say, "Really? Are we going to have a conversation based on Facebook? Where did you get beyond Facebook?" Or, they can't answer beyond that. I say, look, I don't think we should have this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't think we've got the information we need here. You know, and if they keep wanting to go, I say, look, I'm not going to have this conversation with you because I don't respect BS coming off of Facebook. I just don't think it's a vetted place. Again, what am I doing? I'm yeah. holding my position of my right to determine that a particular media is not going to be considered a factual media. Yeah. So you're not going to drag me down that rabbit hole. And that's how you protect yourself proactively from BS. Yeah. Well, I'd like to, um, you tell us to sleep on our new ideas or new ideas that you heard. What benefit do we gain by uh, postponing action or the decision until tomorrow? 
Is it uh, likely that an answer or greater clarity will come to us in our dreams? Or uh, what's the point of sleeping on it? Well, there's two points. One, it can help us prevent going down the rabbit hole of just getting emotionally charged all in the moment. Yeah, that's true. Particularly if the person was using globalizing labels or slurring comments, they're going to have hit triggers and they're going to start going into your emotional body and and it's going to start roiling. You're never going to be able to get good clarity once somebody has started that. So yeah. that's one advantage of sleeping on it because yeah. that'll get calmed down. Yeah, that's true. And you're going to be able to see, oh my, they went right for my heart. They went right for a pain point. All right, so that that'll be very powerful for you to have that insight, right? The other thing is, I do think when we sleep at night, we know that people go insane if they don't get sleep, right? Yeah. So what does that tell us? They still don't really know the answers, but my understanding of it is when we go to sleep, we get to actually get in touch with our spirit self for a while. We don't remember that part of our dreams, but it's part of what makes us not go insane. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes we do wake up and people talk about it all the time. I woke up with this great insight or I suddenly realized I shouldn't go there or I should do this or, oh, when they said that, this was so clear. Why didn't I see it in the moment? Yeah, and also re- when you wake up, you're fresh and uh, ready to consider what was said with new, fresh uh, emotion rather than the, the tired and upset like you said you had before. But uh, you now have a fresh outlook on life. The morning's bright and mm-hmm. sunny, hopefully, and uh, you can challenge that more uh, effectively than you could when you actually heard it. <laughs> right, and it gives you a little bit of distance so that you can actually think it over a little bit and you can start asking yourself your your important questions like, did that make sense? Where are there loopholes? Is there a gap? Because yeah. when you ask yourself those questions and you have a few moments to think about it, Uh, they'll start rolling in, especially if you sleep on it. You'll wake up with some of those answers, and you'll say, oh, man, that was was a Swiss cheese argument. (laughs) More holes in it than anything factual. I can, you know, I can now take a, you know, talk about this and, you know, not let them run me down those holes, those rabbit holes. That's so true. Yeah, and it's it's so great when you have a fresh outlook and and you can come on people with... uh, questions asking for clarification not coming to insult them but uh, just mm-hmm. saying, you know, i thought about this overnight and some other questions came up can you uh, tell me this or that and uh, so it's not like you're trying to run them down but you are putting them on the spot and uh, having that uh, night's rest between and bringing the subject up fresh sometimes uh, <clears throat> allows them to uh, recognize that you know you're you're authentic and you want a real answer to it. So I think that's a, that's a great thing too. Yeah, I do too. And I think you also get to have that strong sense of empowerment that you are honoring yourself. Yeah. And you're helping them to honor a better conversation. And then you probably build a reputation of being somebody who can bring more clarity to a conversation. I think that's a good thing. Very proactive and very positive. Yeah. Well, I'd like to move on to a broader topic of spirit R&R, but before we do, please tell our listeners about the terrible accident you experienced in your early 20s that in hindsight ignited your lifelong quest quest for greater spiritual understanding. I think that's something that uh, the folks would really like to hear about. Okay, well, thank you, Roy, for asking about that. Well, when I was in my early 20s, I was uh, getting ready to go pull my big new van out of this garage. It was a brick garage, and uh, it was an older garage, so it didn't really have a lot of space on both sides. And I 
I was coming out at an angle, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to break. I'm going to scrape off this brand-new paint job. So I jumped out of the car to go take a look at it, and when I went to get back in the car, the car had been pulled out of the garage far enough, but it jumped gear and had this big V8 engine in it. And so it started to jerk the car, the van forward, and I couldn't jump in the van as fast as the door hit the, the brick. Oh. And so I just fell to the back of the car, and it slid me then because I leaned on the car going, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is great. I didn't get in an accident. Um, yeah, so it dragged me with a powerful V8 engine into that small space, and I was just compressed wow. to death. Wow. Yeah, you it was not a... You actually were uh, declared dead, or you were actually dead, you say? I actually died, uh, and what happened was an elderly man next door heard the original screaming before oh. I actually died. Yeah. So he came over, and he was horrified. I mean, what could he do? I mean, yeah. he's van moving. He sees me smashed, and uh, it was right about the time he gets there, I actually shifted. You know, internally, when you know you're in an accident like that, and, you're, and it's something that doesn't happen, it's over in a second, it was dragging on for a while. Yeah could recognize I was moving into a very bad experience. So I started my Catholic thing. God, if you love me, just knock me unconscious. I can't stand the pain. And started thinking, well, how come you're not knocking me unconscious? You must, you know, you must not love me or what. I got yeah. into that little bargaining thing, right? But I knew then suddenly I was dying. You know, I started losing my vital life signs. Yeah. And so I went, whoa, I'm actually dying. And I had all this rage in my heart and anger with my dad and oh, how can you be in your 20s and not have some rage right <laughs> but then instantly there was this <laughs> yeah exactly exactly the blame game the shame game yeah. but there was this instance like snapping my fingers just like that i shifted into out of my personality and my body identity and consciousness into my spirit consciousness wow my attitude everything just like snapping my fingers shifted. I loved everybody. I forgave everybody. And I said, I'm not taking that garbage over to the other side. Yeah. And I moved right out of my body. I knew I would move out of that soft spot in the top of your head, that soft spot on babies. Yeah. That's where the spirit comes in and out. Oh, wow. And I just went right out, and I'm sitting there looking at the accident. I see the old man having a heart attack. And my spirit just wafted over him and said, no, nah, you're not here to die. You came here as an act of my love. To help. Not yours. <laughs> That's right. It's my death time, not yours. <laughs> you you got to go back to your wife after this is over. <laughs> this is not a double tragedy. Yeah. And and I immediately knew at that moment that I would have to come back in life, and I did not want to come back. I actually knew as a spirit I had the opportunity, if I played my cards right, so to speak, yeah. that I could have gone straight over into eternity, which you would call everlasting peace yeah. and happiness, because I'd be in spirit and never have to come back into life, which is really not a happy ever after game down here. No. Okay, and so I realized there was two courses to take, one where I'd have to come back and be born again, even though it wasn't a Catholic belief. Yeah. My spirit knew, this is going to happen. It doesn't matter whether it's a belief. This is the law. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I got to see life and I got to see spirit for what it was, not what I was told it was. Wow. Yeah, and that took a good while after I came back into my body and then had to retake on my personality when I came back in. Yeah. That um, to accept all that, because it was a radical change, 
I mean, the family had a big meeting. My dad had a big meeting over it. All right, you're telling us stuff that is not exactly what we've been told, and yeah. you've always been the rebel, and... <laughs> you're telling us the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here the rebel had to go and die, you know, oh, what? And bring back, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I wish we had time to get into all this. Uh, some other time maybe you can come back to talk about self-gnosis and the higher self and all this other good stuff. But let's talk a little bit about your book, Tango with the Divine, Self-Gnosis sure. 101, Spirit R&R. What is uh, self-gnosis? Self-gnosis is what I realized when I died. It was to know yourself who you really are as an, as an infinite, everlasting spirit. Most people call that part of themselves their higher self, yeah, okay. the God in them. That is who we really are. Everything else is a mask yeah. and an illusion that we are drunk. We're drunk in life, actually. We're so drunk on life. Yeah. That w- that our spirit is like you know intoxicated and c- and we need to sober it up. So self gnosis, spirit R and R, is about sobering up your spirit self, and you do that by removing and making your mind transparent because the mind conditions and conditions and all that conditioning filters of the mind. And it's got a billion filters. How else could you take an infinite spirit and confuse it other than with a billion filters yeah, that, that lock That ego that develops in there and that, uh, exactly. or we also call it that negative, uh, negative little voice. That, uh... <laughs> yes, exactly. And if we let and get intoxicated enough, that voice becomes the voice we identify with. Yes. That's why I use the idea of spirit R&R. We understand rehab. In rehab, we know that we go from being crazy by whatever we're addicted to, in this case, addicted to the mind and the ego. Yeah. And as we sober up, we let that all go, and then we remember, oh, I am this infinite spirit, and I'm I'm really nothing but light and love. Uh, but the ego kept twisting all that energy and turning it to its own ideas, which it mixes things up, and it's it's really a fear-based thinking machine. Well, if there were one central, essential message you would like readers to take away from your book, what would that message be? I think we're getting at it right now. But uh. Yeah, we are. The, the biggest thing is is to recognize that there's only two ways in which you can identify. You either are identifying with your spirit, God self, which is eternal, or you're identifying with mind and the body as an ego. Yeah. And if you can get a lot of clarity about that, you can start to say, am I identifying and making decisions from the ego mind or in truth from the ego mind? The ego mind has its own set of truths, and the, and the life laws support ego truth. Yeah. Infinite God truth can decimate a lot of physical law because it's not beholding to that limit. Yeah, that's true. Well, I know a lot, especially in the Old Testament and the Christian Bible, it seems like we're being told to fear God and God's infinite power, but you seem to be telling us there's a bit of God's creative power within each of us. Is there anything we should fear about the Creator God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's a pure. That's the biggest BS factor of all. So I'm glad you brought it up. As you point out, God is pure love, so obviously there's nothing to fear. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why the book is called Tango with the Divine. We are meant to be 
in a relationship where just like we're looking into the eyes of the divine and letting the divine intention, our spirit self, lead everything we do in the physical world. Therefore, we could only create God good. We would be able to be peace creators because we could do nothing else. That's why we dream of Eden. It's actually the memory of when we came in originally and started tangoing with the divine all the time until we started looking to another partner, the ego mind. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, you tell uh, tell us that the person that we should love more than anyone else in the whole world, what's that? <laughs> it would be your inner self, your higher self, because yeah. that is God in you. And it's so true that unless you really love and respect your higher self, you can't really love someone else because you're too wrapped that up is, in the ego. <laughs> that is exactly right, because the ego is narcissistic, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Protect it's the black, yourself. it's the rabbit hole, the black hole maker. Yeah. <laughs> well, where's the best place to preview and purchase your book? You can get your book anywhere around the world. I, it's it's uh, distributed by Ingram Spark, which means oh. if you go into your local bookstore and you ask them to go get it, they can find it. Oh, they good. can order it. You can go to your library; they can get it. They can get it in ebook form or in print back uh, paperback. You can go to Amazon. Oh, you can always go to Amazon. No, I found it there. <laughs> yeah, there. you can always go to Amazon. And if you type into the browser "Tangle with the Divine." It is such a unique title, it'll bring it up. You yeah, put Tango with Aaron Quinn, it'll bring it right up. Well, uh, and you'll uh, know you found the book because it's this beautiful cover where you're sitting there on the beach relaxing in your rehab, realizing that you're bringing back in the clouds your dance with the divine. Oh, that's great. What's your website address in case people want to find out more about you and your book? Thank you. It's SharonQuinn.net. They also can go to selfgnosis.com. I know there's another website there that I That's found. That's selfgnosis.org. Oh, .org, okay. Right, the .com was, uh, has been uh, taken over by the money mongers. They, <laughs> they're holding it ransom. They want me to pay very, very high dollar to get it. Oh, okay, <laughs> selfgnosis, and that's S-E-L-F-G-N-O-S-I-S. Right, and even if they make the mistake and spell it without the G, it'll take them to it. But I want them to know that all my websites right now are under construction. They look horrible. Oh, I didn't think they looked that bad. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I know, where we're, I know where we're headed, so by comparison, I guess I have the vision. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah, but they're, they've, uh, they're, that has all the information they need. And, uh, Right, they can get the basic information and they can get hold of me. If anybody writes to me, uh, you know, on, from SharonQuinn.net in the um, contact me, I will, I will get hold of you personally. Okay, thanks. That sounds good. Well, as we discussed today, my guest Sharon Quinn in her new book, Tango with the Divine, is here to convince you and me that uh, of the very real possibility of crafting a very beautiful relationship with our inspirational higher self, the true spiritual essence of our and our connection with the divine. And by doing so, you can shift from default habits, vulnerability to all the BS, uh, both your own <laughs> BS and all the BS around, uh, that everyone else has around you, to become the authentic person that you were created to be. And best of all, as she points out, you won't be satisfied to keep this wonderful transformation all to yourself, you'll want to share it with all those around you, 
And uh, here's a hopeful prediction. One day all humanity will actualize a life lived from their essence rather than living on hope alone. And uh, at some point all the uh, hate, inequity, and wars will disappear when everyone starts really living uh, through their higher selves. And I hope maybe it'll, uh, we'll live to see that day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And thank you. That really much. would. And I think people who are like your audience, where we're mature, the mature, yeah. this is where we can really start having a, making a commitment to this kind of life. If just getting your information right, you got to yeah. get off. Yes, because you work hard. I know so many people work so hard to do and love God with all their heart and soul, but they're missing important pieces and keys, so the working doesn't give them the satisfaction. I can help them get that straightened out. And stop watching those 24-hour news channels all the time. (laughs) You know, you watch uh, Fox or you watch CNN, it's a totally different country that you're you're living in, (laughs) depending on which of those channels you tune in. And they both have adequate BS to... uh, fulfill the whole day but thank you so much Sharon and uh, best of success on your new book and all that you do because your message certainly is needed well I really enjoyed being your guest Roy and uh, you honor me and I'm so happy to have met your audience thank you so very much much. bye for now we'll be in touch bye 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 well thanks to my guest Sharon Quinn for her thoughtful advice on sharpening our BS detector and strengthening our independent thought muscles And before we close, here's another reason not to spend your entire day sitting around in isolation watching the 24-7 cable news networks or any TV all day. Baby boomers who isolate themselves are feeling the impact of loneliness, which is linked to early mortality. Good Lord, you don't want that, do you? And these uh, following facts come from a December 12, 2018 article I discovered in the Wall Street Journal. It seems baby boomers are aging alone more than any other generation in U.S. history, and the resulting loneliness is a looming public health threat, believe it or not. About 1 in 11 Americans aged 50 and older lacks a spouse, partner, or living child, census figures and other research show, and that, uh, the, that amounts to about 8 million people in the U.S. without close kins, uh, the main source of companionship in old age, and their share of the population, unfortunately, is projected to grow. Policymakers are concerned this will strain the federal budget, as if it's not strained enough already, and undermine baby boomers' health. Researchers have found that loneliness takes a physical toll and is closely linked to early mortality, just as closely linked as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day or consuming more than six alcoholic drinks. Loneliness is even worse for longevity than being obese or physically inactive. Wow! Along uh, with financial issues, including high debt and declining pensions, social factors such as loneliness or another reason boomers are experiencing more difficult retirement years than previous generations. And I'm not just speaking to you boomers, uh, you uh, folks in uh, the next generations to come better think about that also. The lack of social contacts among over-adults costs Medicare $6.7 billion a year, believe it or not, mostly from spending on nursing facilities and hospitalization 
for those who have less of a network to help out. And nursing homes and hospitals are not the greatest place to socialize, are they? (laughs) I can think of some better ways to do that. The effect of isolation is extraordinarily powerful, says Donald Berwick, former administrator of the uh, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. If we want to achieve health for our population, especially vulnerable people, we have to address loneliness. And why uh, are the baby boomers uh, increased? Why are they experiencing increased loneliness? Well, baby boomers prized individuality and generally had fewer children and ended marriages in greater numbers than previous generations. How about you? Is that true of you? More than one in four boomers is divorced or never married, census figures show, and about one in six lives alone. And uh, that here's no surprise. Among the most likely to lack close kin are college-educated women and people with little money, says Ashton Bertery, an assistant professor of sociology and demography at Penn State. More senior women than men are kinless because women's life expectancies are nearly five years longer at 81 years. And of Americans aged 50 and over in 2016, 27% of women were widowed or never married, compared to only 16% of men. Women also are less likely to cohabitate and date later in life, research shows. Come on, ladies, we need you to get in the dating game. (laughs) In review of 148 independent studies on loneliness, covering more than 300,000 participants, Julianne Holt-Lundstedt of Brigham Young and colleagues found that greater social connection was associated with a 50% lower risk of early death. And research suggests that those who are isolated are at an increased risk of depression, cognitive decline, and dementia. You certainly don't want to live with that. And that social relationships influence their blood pressure, immune functioning, as well as whether people take their medications. You know, loneliness and isolation are bad for your health at any age, but the forces that take hold later in life often compound it. Retirement shrivels social networks formed around work. Hearing loss and worsening mobility uh, impede talking face-to-face and participating in group activities. And some of the health risks comes from the consequences of being alone when sickness strikes. You know, Gary Grasmick, a 68-year-old federal, uh, retired federal IT worker who lives by himself, was carrying groceries into his Washington, D.C. rent house two years ago when he fell to his knees when his knees gave out, overweight and unable to get up, and with no phone in reach, he laid there for at least two nights as dehydration and urinary tract infection led to sepsis. His kidneys started shutting down, and he grew delirious. Not a very pleasant activity, isn't it? I've heard the mailman come once in a while, and I would yell out, he said, but nobody heard me. Mr. Grasmick uh, tried to drag himself to a phone and a sink, but couldn't get there, and he began to lose track of time. A friend eventually became worried when he didn't return her calls, 
and she called the police, and when emergency personnel found him, his brain had swelled. After more than two weeks in intensive care and six months in a skilled nursing facility, he returned home last year and has made some changes. Mr. Grasnick installed an emergency call box he can trigger from a wristband and began tucking his cell phone into his <clears throat> shirt pocket on his pajamas before he climbs into bed at night. In Boston, a cluster is a good idea. In Boston, a cluster of seniors in 2002 banded together to form a village so they could lean on each other for household services, social activities, transportation, and old age planning, and that spawned 350 similar groups nationwide in what is now known as the Village to Village Network. You might want to check that out. Members can tap uh, rides to doctor's appointments, handymen, and activities like group uh, meditation and bowling. Well, I'm not an expert, certainly not a psychologist, but if you are uh, nearing retirement or already retired and living alone, widowed or divorced, please don't spend your days just uh, bemoaning how cruddy things are, (laughs) knocking the politics and listening to all that BS, regretting the past and resenting those who appear happy and healthy, assuming that you're financially ready and emotionally set to quit working, your early years of retirement can be the most rewarding of your entire life, and they can be extended for 20, 30 years or more if you remain healthy and active and relating to other folks. And it's up to you, uh, it's totally up to you on how you plan to stay young and active. And in my book, I offer uh, some exercises uh, like there's one for taking a mental vacation to find your true vocation, which may include retirement, but it's not just say I'm going to be retired. It, it's retirement uh, with a whole array of activities planned and relationships planned to remain young and active. I have another exercise for visualizing yourself with adequate funds and all the time in the world and then figuring out how you're going to use that time. After all, the choice is yours, so how much you do. So how how do you wish to uh, joyfully maximize your time? Uh, You can find help for that in my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. You can find it on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or through our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. The choice is yours. Uh, So just how do you wish to maximize your time so you can have a joyful post-work years and there's no reason to sit around and feel bad and be vulnerable to the BS in the world around. So what do you want to, uh, who do you want to get close to and bring into your life and how do you plan to accomplish it or who do you want to keep in your life that you presently have and become closer at serving their needs while they serve yours. The choice is yours. And my book, again, is a midlife challenge, Wake Up, by Roy C. Richards. And it's spring, so let's go out and socialize with others, and don't let loneliness kill you. (laughs) That's it for today on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. 
You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 